Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. This week, your hosts, Sky Remond and Gary Fletcher, are joined by Fuzzy Labs co-founders, Tom Stockton and Matt Squire, and they are here to discuss AI. What is AI and why is it a big deal now? Guy is going to take the lead with this one. So Guy, it's over to you. Excellent. So uh, welcome, Tom and Matt. Thank you for uh, taking time out to join us on wherever this goes and wherever it ends up. It's fair to say AI is probably the single most talked about technology around at the moment. And it's probably fair to say that it's probably the most misunderstood technology at the moment. So, you know, hopefully this conversation will kind of deal with those kind of questions and the listeners will will learn a little bit more about it. And as a guest, Gary and and I will. And I think, you know, one of the things I'd like to do actually is from an EHE perspective is talk about how as a company we're dealing with this uh, ourselves and how we're hoping to utilize AI as a a bit of an example further into the conversation. I think at this point, it's probably best handing it over to the experts just to get the, you know, the proper conversation going, you know, uh, see what we can learn from this. Thanks, Guy. Well, yeah, I'm Tom from Fuzzy Labs. Georgia, thanks for having us on. Big fan of the podcast. We've been listening to it for weeks. Keeps me uh, well informed and entertained. I thought we would start off by talking about what what is AI. People, a lot of people are talking about it at the moment, and what the definition of it is. What does it? What does AI mean to people? Matt and I will give what our interpretation of it, which is our vision of it. But I thought it'd be interesting to to say to Guy and Gary, what do you think AI is at the moment? What's your view of what AI is? What it can do? How it's perceived? Shall I put this one up, Gary, just to begin with, and we'll we'll hand over to you. AI is a a capability that a machine has to uh, make its own decisions based on the information that is available to it. And the more information and data it has on a particular subject, the cleverer the decisions and the more accurate the decisions that can be made. So I wouldn't say we're anywhere near the point of where we can do away with humans altogether, but I certainly think we're at the point where AI can make pretty sensible decisions on quite a wide variety of topics that that can help businesses and give them a little bit of a competitive edge. So that's kind of my take on it. Well, I mean, that sounded sophisticated. I think, obviously, Guy, in our partnership, EHE, you're the more technical orientated one. Stop making excuses. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to quote uh, Dan Sullivan, uh, find your who, not how. And I think, Guy, you're my who in this area and certainly Fuzzy Labs. Tom and Matt as well. So back to you, Tom and Matt, for your definitions. Can I just say, Tom, that was beautifully deflected. I I felt really well done. But it's absolutely true, by the way. Absolutely true. You have to find your who's. And Tom, Matt, you are definite who's in the AI space. Making us blush. Guy, your explanation is pretty much bang on what I've I've got written down. So I've written, and making a computer think like a human was was my succinct summary of that. You can break. I think you can break that down into cognitive functions, human cognitive functions. But I think before we go in, and there's this three there that I've, I've identified. I think before we go into that, I think Matt, you and I, we talk about AI and machine learning. The terms are interchangeable sometimes. And I think one one question is: Is machine learning AI, or is there more to AI than machine learning? I think also not only is machine learning AI, but also is AI machine learning. So this this idea that okay, AI is going to create a something that's as intelligent as a human that could replace a human, that's a very grand goal and it 
brings up all kinds of philosophical questions about what even is human intelligence. I think in practice, in, certainly in industry, people are far more interested in, well, what can I actually do that is semi-intelligent in a particular domain? So it might be, you know, recognize an image or something like that. Machine learning is probably the, the better term for that kind of thing. It's can I teach a machine to do a particular task, typically using a lot of example data? And then we're asking the machine to learn how to generalize that task so that it can do it on its own. AI as a term includes a lot of other things, plus machine learning, that some of those things are more academic and not so relevant to the industry. So that would be my answer on, on that. Isn't self-driving cars a really good example of AI? Yes. It is, yeah. But but then a lot of the, the things that go into a self-driving car are machine learning based based things there, um you know, rather than maybe some of these other fields of AI that, that we don't talk about so much. It's a great example. I mean, the, the three cognitive functions that I've written down are vision, language, and decision. And there's loads of subsets to those functions. A self-driving car has loads of those different capabilities, what we call models in a, in a machine learning term. You know, it can, it can view a scene and identify different objects. Based on what objects it sees, it can make decisions about what it's going to do. It's probably reading the text on, on signs and things like that as well to, to determine to make the decision what it's going to do. So yeah. that is that is a really good example of, of AI. And there's loads of AI built into, into everyone's phones and everyone's mobile phones. You may be aware of some of them are obvious. Space detection is, is AI-driven. Phones are now recommending which apps you're going to use based on your routine through the day. So it's on, it's learning that behavior from, from, from you. That's just taking that data input from your behavior and suggesting apps you might use. So there's loads of common examples of AI that people may or may not be aware of that, that, this, that they use day to day. So what we're saying is really that it's already actually ingrained in our society. We just perhaps don't know when it's happening. And actually, that's a really good indication of how well it's working. If we don't know it's happening, it's serving us well invisibly, then that, that seem, you know, seem to me to be really good uses of AI. You know, the, the mobile phone one's a great example because I, I've noticed now increasingly wherever I am, if I need to pick an app, I'll swipe down on an iPhone. And usually the app that I want to pick at that particular time of day when I go into the gym in the morning or whatever, then the, the apps I'm going to use both from a, a music point of view and from a meditation point of view are the first two that it, it, it suggests. I don't have to key anything to the search. So it's already kind of prevalent, I think, in, in, in our society. I think one of the interesting conversations is that, you know, we've got these, I suppose, smaller use cases you know, where's, where's it going to go? You know, what kind of things should you think will be happening next? Have you got any examples? I mean, Gary kind of mentioned the, the automated cars and, and clearly that's automated driving. That's going to be a really big one. Are there any other examples you guys can, can perhaps give us? I think what's, what's interesting about automated cars is they combine a whole bunch of different AI techniques into one coherent thing. But, you know, it's not like somebody's, there's no commercial value in creating a robotic version of a human, but a robotic version of a car that has all of these cognitive capabilities is valuable. And then a similar example that has been in the news recently is this Amazon. Amazon have set up these automated shops in a few locations. There's one that's just opened in London, and you can walk in. It will track you as you move through the store. 
it's observing different behaviors to look for whether you're trying to steal something or whatever it may be. The idea is you can walk in, take things off the shelf and walk out and it will charge you for the things you picked up. It already knows what you've chosen. It knows who you are. It knows to recognize suspicious behavior. And again, this is combining all sorts of different techniques from different areas of AI, these different cognitive capabilities that Tom mentions to create something that as a whole is entirely novel. I mean, it's, it, apparently it can detect different bunches of flowers you've picked up. It can determine those kinds of products. I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible what it, what it can do. Yeah, what I happens mean, they, if you've got they, a barracloth along? Apparently, they don't track your identity or your, your face. They don't do face detection, so they don't care. Maybe they just identify you as the, the person with the balaclava who's chosen a nice bunch of flowers. You need a barcode to get in initially. Ah, okay. okay, that's it. Got it. And I think the AI's trained that, uh, Gary, if you go in with the balaclava, they, they immediately call the police so that police are actually waiting outside for you at that point. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> what about the 5G in the vaccine? That helps track you through the shop, doesn't it? Ah, ah now there's another story. What's yeah. that all about? <laughs> I think I think Gary should be glowing after t- this morning having the vaccine. <laughs> yes, I've had it. Another one done that shows how old I am. Yeah, well, I, so think, yes. I think the okay. Am- Amazon Go is a, is a is a really good example of a really practical implementation that makes people's lives better, in my opinion. And I know people have different views on privacy and all that kind of stuff. And the reality is that you know if you you aren't comfortable with it, don't go in an Amazon Go shop. But if you are, like Matt says, it doesn't trace you. It doesn't, you know, it's not identifying you through facial recognition. It's it's identifying you through the Amazon app and the the barcode that's on the the app that identifies who you are. And then really, all it's doing is tracking what you're you're picking off the shelves, and it just takes the pain away. You're not queuing at a checkout. You literally pick the stuff up, put it in your basket or your bag. And you walk out to the shop, and um, for once, you won't get arrested for doing that. As far as I'm concerned, that kind of technology is a really good example of, of, of technology used for the greater good. I think on on the sort of AI for good theme and, and state of the art. So, a company you may or may not have heard of is DeepMind, who were acquired by Google in 2014 for 500 million. It's probably a bargain of a price now. And they started off developing or trying to win at games, you know, standard games. But then it Progress through to when they the go. chess the chess chess but yeah, then it was chess. Yeah. yeah but go is go is the game it's an eastern game isn't it Matt that's right yeah go is substantially more complex than chess it's funny because decades ago people would have thought uh, programming a computer to play chess better than a, the best human um, players that seemed very difficult because you've got for every move, you've got all of these different combinations of alternative moves. Then that went from impossible to it solved. No human can beat the best computers at chess. But then Go was assumed to be, oh, okay, that really is impossible because as complex as chess is, Go is way more complicated. So people thought, well, it is impossible. It, you know, There's too many different ways to play. But only a few years ago, the the Korean, he, he was the world champion at chess, this Korean fellow who I believe he won two out of five games against AlphaGo, which was DeepMind's Go AI, which is pretty incredible. So the AI beat him, and this is the best player in the world. 
But they've taken that technology on, that technology on, and they've the recent um, big news was in protein folding. They solved this protein folding problem, so they've got, they've taken you know the technology for for fun, but now applied it to a real world problem of protein folding. And protein folding is quite a complex subject. We've we've actually written a blog on it because we've got a guy who works in in bioinformatics. But Matt, you you know a bit more about it than I do. What protein folding is trying to do is. You're trying to find interesting proteins. That's ultimately what you're trying to do. And interesting means they can be used as drugs in the future. There's a vast number of different ways that a protein will fold. And fold just me, just talks about the, the structure of the protein and the like the kind of emergent structure of that protein rather than the original, like the original makeup of the protein. So then predicting that structure from the original composition is a hard problem. Predicting it for a huge number of different configurations is a substantially hard problem. So if you're saying, well, we think there might be a, a wonderful drug somewhere out there, if we can just figure out the right way to configure a protein, then you could try searching for every combination. You'll never finish it. It's far too many. So yeah, the AI search was then essentially doing a targeted search can we use some intelligence in the way we do that search, plus a huge amount of computing power to, to speed up that process? And yeah, Alpha. Fundamentally, it's, it's helping solve medicine and drug discovery, yeah. isn't it? it? That's right, yeah. And, and with, all these, with all these things, it's a convergence of technologies, right? So if you look at the uh, Moore's Law and the way that that's kind of accelerated the power of, of, of computing hardware and continues to do so, we've got m massive amounts of capability within you know, cloud computing environments now that we can, we can call up as and when we need that compute power uh, and dial it down when we don't need it. So from an environmental point of view, you know, we can be far more efficient mm -hmm. as well. And then you know, you've got technologies like 5G, which offer... offer you know, incredibly fast, far faster than home broadband kind of connection speeds with really low latency. So, so millisecond kind of, you know, uh, information transfer times. And it's a convergence of these technologies in addition to AI and machine learning that really provide the incredible changes that we are going to see over the next 10 years in, in, in all sectors, you know, food, energy, transport, uh, medicine in particular uh, that you've kind of just touched on there. So there's there's lots of exciting things going to happen because of AI, but it's enabled in particular by the convergence of other technologies. Yes, it's a very good point. The history of AI research goes back many decades, and a lot of the ideas in play today are not that new. They, you can find them if you go back a few decades. But what's made a lot of these things possible now is you have this huge amount of compute resource available in the cloud. You have everybody's connected to the internet, you have all these devices in your pocket, you have sensors and so on. And then the other side of this is, uh, we haven't talked about yet, is this idea of pre-trained models. You have a lot of basic AI capabilities available as commodity services, usually from cloud providers. So if you want, for example, to read the text from a document, that's something available that you can plug right in. If you want to know uh, is this customer happy or unhappy based on what they've written in their message? That's a service that's readily available. And the very interesting thing, and Tom and I were just looking at this just before the podcast, is that these ready-made AI services are getting more and more niche. So 
they start out with very broad applications, but now we're seeing things like Amazon have an AI service specifically targeted at contact centers, or you'll have ones that are specifically targeted at medical applications, for instance. What one of the things that would be useful just to for the for the sort of last five minutes or so to to kind of have a chat around is the you're an entrepreneur, right? And you're not in the tech game. You, you, you don't fully understand AI. You know that you should be using it. You're not quite sure how how to do it and how to go about it. Why is it a big deal for, for SMEs? Uh, why should entrepreneurs really be looking into how AI could benefit their business? And, you know, who should they be talking to? And, you know, and this is quite a general one, but, you know, what kind of emerging ideas do you think that entrepreneurs could begin to look at just to give them a little bit of a competitive edge over the bigger corporates. Because let's face it, entrepreneurs, they have really good ideas, that they're, they're, they're very agile, and they, they move quickly, and they're happy to take risk. And that's what makes the difference. That's what you know puts them ahead of the big corporates who are not able to move as quickly. And you know they've got layers of, of, of people to, to speak to before anything can happen. So, you know, how can how can a, an entrepreneur really benefit from AI? I think following on from what Matt was just talking about with pre-trained models, so we've talked about the sort of cutting edge of AI and what DeepMind and Amazon and, and Google are doing. That, that technology has trickled down now. And like Matt said, it's available as a commodity service. You can plug it in. So companies are benefiting from AI because they can plug into the service. They can find out products to recommend to their customers quite easily. What does a high-value customer look like? They can have efficiencies in the business by human tasks that might take a long time, like classifying documents or extracting text from documents. They, these can all be done automatically with a, with a pre-trained service. So our, our advice is, is to start small, start with a small problem, a small set of data, one that you think potentially has high value, and try and plug into one of these pre-trained models. And, yeah, the low-hanging fruit. Exactly, yeah. Because you can start, you know, when, when you first AI solutions first came about, it took a lot of time and effort to build these things. Some of these services that are available have taken millions and millions of dollars of compute power to train them. Now they're available and you can pay for them as you, as you need to use them. So that's that's the way to get started, not to hire necessarily a data science team and a lot of specialists, but to use what's off the shelf. So, the, I mean, these, these services are basically democratizing uh, AI already. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and as Matt said, they're going to get more and more niche. At the moment, it's like if you, you know, image analysis services, you can put an put in a, an image or, or a video and it'll tell you what kind of objects are there but they're going to get more and more niche for different applications you know they're going to be looking at logos products medical applications so detecting tumors or tissue types and all these kinds of things they're going to become uh, off-the-shelf services just very quickly like to mention actually is how ehe's kind of utilizing some some basic ai you know when, when we push ourselves out there and you know hopefully if you listen to this blog that process is this this podcast that process has already begun and we start to get interest in the organization and what we can do obviously we want to work with high growth entrepreneurs who need funding and our job is to is to is to find that funding either funding it personally or we go out to other high net worth individuals and you know ask them for for their support with the with the project We've incorporated it into the thinking behind the application that uh, we ask people to fill in when they're when they're looking for funding. So you know we we attempt to to automatically verify the information. We attempt to uh, automatically go out and find out more information than just the questions that we're asking in the application form. And the aim is really to provide 
investors with a complete set of, you know, a deck really uh, with all the information they need so they can make a decision on whether they think it's a, a worthwhile uh, investment or not. So we're trying to, you know, just make it a lot easier for ourselves. We're automating as much as of, of our organization as we can to make it easier for us to run it and be able to deal with more people and to keep our costs down. And, you know, if we keep our costs down, that benefits both us as a company, but also benefits all our all our clients as well. And I think the same kind of principle works for um, most companies nowadays. And, and, and one of the, you know, the, one of the criteria we have as a company, and I think this is a really important one, is that we, we really only want to talk to tech-led companies. That's not tech product companies, that's tech-led companies. Because it's our belief that within the next 10 years, companies that aren't tech-led will either be suffering really badly in terms of revenue drop or just won't be here at all. Just thought I'd, uh, I'd share that. I was going to ask a question. So yeah. I'd, like, I'd like one of the uh, Fuzzy Lab pair to answer this one. What's the definition of singularity? My understanding of singularity is it's this idea that as the growth of technology accelerates, you eventually reach a point where, and this is largely driven by AI, you reach a point where innovation happens too quickly for anybody to actually keep up with it. So it's this idea that we just enter this, this world where innovation is just being driven by AI. Humans can't even keep up. And people talk about, oh, well, we'll upload our minds to a computer at that point because you know, there's, there's no other way to, to exist. The computer's taken over. I was picking up on Tom's point, really, where your definition of AI was making a computer think like a human. It's the crossover point, isn't it? Is it the crossover point? It is, but it's it's very much a, I don't know, it's, it's this hypothetical thing. I, I like to make that distinction between there's the there's this grand idea of the AI project is going to create something that's conscious like a human versus we're trying to replicate some of the practical cognitive capabilities of a human for some commercial benefit. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the what that crossover point is, whether that happens or what. I think Ray Kurzweil, who's pretty well known in the, in the tech world, his, his predictions are normally reasonably accurate. Yeah. And I can't quite remember the exact date, but he reckons singularity will be achieved, i.e. humans will be plugged into the cloud. That's my understanding of it in a very basic way. By I can't remember if it's 2030 or 2035, but it's a one of those two dates okay listen let's just bring this back down to back down to earth again so to speak we're coming to uh, an end is there anything else that you guys like to add and if not then you know how would you summarize how companies should move forward entrepreneurs and companies smes in particular should move forward and and begin to look into how ai could transform their business the key thing is start with something small and something tangible so there is a lot that can be done using readily available off-the-shelf AI capabilities to demonstrate some commercial value. And so it, it, of course, depends on the application, but it could be, for instance, recognizing logos on products or recognizing, um, for a medical application, recognizing different types of tissue in a wound, as we, we did for a, one of our medical clients. These kinds of things can be built up quickly and cheaply to prove a concept. Now, proving a concept is different than productionizing. It, you know, so there's still further investment to be made to actually make that scalable and productionizable. But if you're 
you know, the starting point is to see what can be done and then make a decision beyond that. Prove the concepts, then you can conceive the value of it, and then you can invest in actually putting it in and, and realizing the benefits of it. Okay. Uh, anything to add, Gary? No, that's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Thank you very much, guys. And hopefully, uh, we'll uh, we'll have a another conversation with you, chaps, uh, a little bit further down the line, and see how things are moving forward. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, everyone, for another fantastic episode. And just to close down, Tom and Matt, where can people find more out about you and your work through Fuzzy Labs? They can go to fuzzylabs.ai to have a look at um, kinds of work we do, just case studies, um, have a look at our blog as well. A lot more technically inclined, there's, there's some code out there on GitHub. And then Tom and I, Tom and I are both on LinkedIn as well. So uh, we post a lot of content on there. There's Matt Squire and Tom Stockton. Perfect. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. Visit the EHE Capital website, ehe.capital, for further insights and to join the EHE community.